Hello and welcome to another Be Your Own Loud podcast presented by us here at Proudmouth. I'm Matt Halloran, your host. This show has a very simple foundation to meet amazing people who have risen above the noise, who are unapologetically themselves and have embodied being their own loud. Using these interviews as inspiration, our purpose is to help you amplify your voice to become the subject matter authority you were meant to be. Be Your Own Loud. Hello and welcome to another Be Your Own Loud podcast. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this one, especially because this one's very important to me personally. I get to interview my big brother today, Tim Halloran. He is an unbelievable person and an even more unbelievable coach. He has so many wins, records, trophies, but that's not why he's on. Why he's on is for all of you to have the chance to listen to somebody who truly knows how to create a culture that is lasting and impactful and will allow you as a business owner, manager, or even a team member to just overall be a better person. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get you talking about things that you uh, know more about than, than most people. You know, I always start off this by by talking about, you know, tell me your story, but but I want you to tell your coaching story. You know, when when did you feel the the itch for coaching? Who were your idols and and why were they and why did you choose this path for yourself? So, soccer has always been a a passion of mine. Uh as you know, growing up, we didn't have much. Uh much is probably t- more than what we had. We didn't have anything. Um, and, and after we stopped moving around, we were allowed to play a sport. Uh, we could afford one sport. And at the time, soccer was fairly inexpensive. Uh, a, pair of, a pair of shoes, a pair of cleats, uh, shin guards, and they gave you a uniform. It wasn't like we are now with Under Armour this and, and all these bells and whistles. I mean, I, I think we have pictures of us playing soccer in blue jeans with the white shorts pulled over the top of the blue jeans because that was the only way we could stay warm. And it wasn't necessarily about the the soccer because I was I was an above average player, um, but I was never going to make a, a career out of it. I actually, I was thinking about it. I remember our grandfather saying to me uh, years ago, uh, why, the, why are you doing soccer? You're never going to make a career out of soccer. <laughs> uh, little did he know, 30, 33 years later, whatever. But it was the coaches I, I played for uh, that were huge influences on me. Uh, without having a, a father figure uh, in my life, uh, looking for that male leadership uh, was, it was hugely important. So I, always, I was always drawn to that. And then the second thing is our, uh, you know, our, our mother is, has always been in the, you know, a service type person. She, uh, nonprofits, uh, giving back. And it's ingrained in uh, how we were brought up and, and who I was. The biggest thing that I can remember, and it kind of helped me think, one, because I, I wasn't going to be a player. I had a coach, Joe Haywood. Joe Haywood was... My coach, when I was 13 or 14 years old, I was switched to his team after I was on a very successful youth team. I got switched to his team. I used to joke that I was the only player ever traded in recreational soccer. And the team wasn't very good. So I was one of the better players. 
And Joe was a huge man, six, 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 seven. He was a hockey dad uh, whose kids played played soccer. And I remember, like it was yesterday, we were playing my old team, and the best player on the field was Jamie. And Jamie was it was sweet. He was killing it. And before the game, Joe said, "Tim, your job is to stop Jamie." And I said, "I can't stop Jamie." And he said, you're my best player. I need you to stop Jamie. Okay. Coaches say that all the time. I didn't stop Jamie. I couldn't stop Jamie. I didn't know how to stop Jamie. And I came in at halftime expecting to be yelled at. I didn't do my job. I was, Jamie was killing us. Joe put his arm around me and he said, I wouldn't ask you to do this if I didn't think you could do it. Mm. It was it it wasn't the you stink you're terrible uh, coaching philosophy that we see. It was I believe in you, and it it was amazing. Um, I went out in the second half. I played much better. We still lost, but it didn't matter to Joe. I did my job, and I was. I, I did what he needed. And that feeling to me was was amazing. Fast forward, I don't make my college soccer team. I'm not good enough. I get asked to, to coach. My first coaching job was at 19. I had no business coaching a high school team at 19. And I ended up with my first head coaching job at 21. I was coaching girls soccer at 21. I, do not do this, please. Do not turn a 21-year-old over to high school girls. But the first thing I I was able to do is I was able to to try and and express that to to the players. It's it it and it became a drug. It became I love doing it. I I will go out on a soccer field anytime. I I'm now uh, doing it six months out of the year. And I do it in all kinds of weather. It's who I am. It makes me a better teacher. Uh, the teaching makes me a better coach. So it all it all became very uh, simpatico. What is that word? Yeah, so yeah. came so. Now, when you walk on the field, this is this is something we've talked about a lot on the show is the sort of mental preparation that needs to happen in order for you to be the best that you can be as the coach, but you have to somehow transfer that to the players. You have been known for your pregame. And let's talk a little bit about that. Why do you think it's so important before anybody gets on the field? And, and again, in the business setting, everybody who owns, runs, or works in a business should have a pregame in order to switch their thinking so that whatever happened before you got on the field in the office at your desk, you were able to go ahead and transform into something different, better, stronger, faster. What are some of the things that you teach your girls and have taught your girls and the boys that you've coached? to get that mind right? The first thing I think that I've always been able to do is I create, I want it to be a team. Sports can be about individuals. Business, who's your top salesperson? They get all of the, the love, they get all of the respect and everything like that. And I and part, part of it was because I wasn't the best player and I always wanted to be involved. So I, I love the team aspect. And so we go into everything 
is what can we do as a team? So when I talk to the players before a game, it is, we can do this. This is what we're going to do. I don't say, give the ball to number 10 and get out of the way, uh, and we're going to win lots of games because number 10 is the best player on the field. I also try to make sure that number 10, who is the best player on the field, knows that she's only going to be better if everyone else around her is. So everything is, is based on that team aspect. I do, we have traditions and you start a tradition the first year, it, it goes so-so. Mm -hmm. uh, you hope that over time, the, the players who stay around will perpetuate those traditions until they become so ridiculous that people, if I don't do something, they get furious at me. The first thing that we uh, we do is uh, we have notebooks. They are given a notebook at the beginning of the year. I'm not a journaling person. I've never journaled a day in my life. I know I should, but I don't. It's more, it's, it's a journal. Write down your thoughts. What are you going to do? How do you feel? What, what's your best that you want to accomplish on the field? So they're focused on them. Then when I bring it together, I talk about how we're going to do those things together. We're going to take a little bit of everyone and, and put it together. I, I, I took it from uh, um, Deadpool, but we're a jigsaw puzzle with all those little curly curvy pieces and we fit together nice. Then I give them a, a team quote. I stole it from Albion College when I was at Albion years ago. The captains gave everyone a team quote. They actually hand wrote 25 team quotes. I've, I've uh, gotten it a little bit more tech savvy. That team quote is something that everyone on the team all reads. It is something that they all have in common. So I don't give number 10 a different quote than I give a number five. We all have the same quote. And then the last thing we do um, is we walk. Uh, years ago, I read about the Canadian, Canadian uh, national volleyball team. They were struggling going from practice to, to games, that, that transition. And the coach at the time, from the locker room to the floor, painted like red to white. So they're, they're national colors, but they would, so they start in red and all of a sudden they got to white. And once they got to white, it was game time. They knew it. So they could take their own time. They could go fast, they could go slow, it was up to them. And so my teams all walk before a game. We have a distance that we cover, we do it together. You can hold hands, you can lock arms, you can be individual, whatever. That is the time that they process what they're about ready to do. I've already given them my pregame talk. I've already talked about what we're trying to do so that when they get back from that walk, it's time. Now let's go play. One of the things that you told me many, many years ago, which seems counterintuitive and not something that a lot of you will see in in games, but I remember going to one of your games uh, and you did. I was like, you're not doing anything, dude. You're just like walking back and forth and, you know, subbing people out or every once in a while patting people on the back. But you really don't say very much when it's game time. What is the philosophy behind I think soccer is a little bit different sport than a lot of other sports, and I'm not not bad mouthing other sports. Uh, in football, the coach calls every play. 
and that's the play they're going to run, and and that's what they have to do. Uh, basketball, you bring the ball up the court. The coach uh, makes that call. Soccer is, is a different sport, and it's free-flowing. Uh, there are no timeouts. There are no stoppages. And so um, I learned a long time ago uh, through coaching licenses and, and reading and stuff like that, soccer is a player's game. We're, we're here to uh, really on game day, we should just roll the ball out and they should be ready to play. Um, if I do my job right, I don't have to do my job during the game. My job is done during practice. Um, my job is trying to get every single person as mentally prepared as possible. That doesn't mean I don't make tweaks. I don't make subs. I, I don't do those things. I learned a long time ago that uh, yelling at people, uh, dictating what they're going to do, um, doesn't make people succeed. Um, youth sports, you have parents in the stands always screaming, Johnny, kick, kick the ball this way, kick the ball that way. Well, two things. First of all, Johnny doesn't hear you. Johnny's too focused. You're just yelling for your own benefit. Johnny's not listening. But the second thing is, you're telling Johnny what to do. Johnny doesn't know what to do. And when it comes time for you not being there, Johnny's going to turn and go, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? There's no one to tell me what to do. So I try... I, it, it's a joke. I sit in a camping chair, uh, partially because I'm old, uh, but I've been doing it for 20 years, so I don't know what my excuse was before. I sit in my camping chair, and the joke is, if I get out of the camping chair, something's wrong. Yeah. They're like, uh-oh, coach got up. Because uh, that's that's actually one, I, that's one of my favorite pregame speeches. Right before I send them on the field, I bring them over. I go, hey, uh, I don't want to get up today. I don't want to stand up. I'm tired. Make it so I don't have to stand up. And it is, it's not how everyone does it. There are coaches who say you have to pass the ball from A right. to B, and that's the only pass you can take. I'm not on the field. I'm not in it. I can't see exactly what they can see. So when they come off the field, I say, hey, uh, what about passing from A to B? And they'll say, well, I saw this. Great. In the future, A to B might be an option that I want you to see. So I, I, I hope to train players to think uh, for themselves because I don't have enough energy to think for 11 people all at the same time. Well, and, and the, the fascinating thing about this for, for the people who are listening is this is the perfect way and a perfect mantra for you to think about when you're running your business, Right. You hire people, you train them, you should let them play the freaking game, right? Let them go because, you know, in, in sports, the, the W's and the L's and the T's are very easy to find. The wins, losses, and ties are easy to find where that's not always the case in business when, when you know, losses are maybe a little bit more nebulous or wins are a little bit more nebulous and Lord knows nobody wants a tie in business. But 
letting them play and setting clear expectations. That's one of the other things that I wanted to make sure I highlighted when I was talking to you, Tim, is you set very clear expectations with your players. Look, don't make me get out of the chair. Do what we worked on. So, so many of you who manage people are constantly walking around telling people and checking on people instead of giving the autonomy, the freedom, the professional courtesy and respect you should to let them play the game. Now, let's talk about the wins. Right. So it's fascinating to me because I've seen you win, your teams win, and I've seen your teams lose, and there's not much difference with you. How, why is that so important for you to kind of stay that even keel, no matter if you get a win or a loss? So, uh, one of the questions you said you uh, might ask me is um, what's something I wish someone had taught me years ago? Um, wins don't matter. And that's totally against the American way. That's totally against our, our mindset. Um, in sports, and, and soccer is a little bit different, but in most sports, there's only one winner. You either win or you lose. And if you base everything on a win, you're, I believe you're missing the, the, the project. I, I believe you're missing the process. That's a better word for what you were, what you're there for. Um, I teach kids how to kick a stupid little ball up and down the field. In the grand scheme of life, where else are they going to use that skill? Uh, they're not. They're not going to become professional players. Uh, the, just the numbers don't don't work that way. And if they do. You know, it's the one-tenth of a percent of players that I've had. So I, I can't I, – I, I love to win. But the, the crazy thing is, you talk to my players, there are times where we win and I'm more angry at them than if we lose because it's not the final result. It's the product on the field. If they do what I ask them to do and we lose, well, then either I didn't ask them the right thing or – our best wasn't good enough. And I, I don't want anyone to, to feel worried about where their best is because it's their best. And in, in sports, there's always gonna be someone bigger, stronger, faster. That's just the way it is. I also learned years ago, because I have been very successful, it didn't change me. Hmm. I've been lucky enough to be a part of three state championships. I've also lost two state championships. You know, the difference in the bus ride home, besides me just being sad, I woke up the next morning. I didn't have a crown on my head. I didn't get a, a big uh, contract. The first time I ever won a state championship, my, my athletic director gave me a, a little plaque and he spelled my name wrong. It didn't change. And so if, my players can walk off the field, self-evaluate, how did they do, evaluate with what the team did. Sure, we love to win, but it's the process of getting to where we can win. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we do the things that I think we are capable of doing and we play together and we are the family that we strive to be, we're successful more than we're not. 
so one of the messages uh, that just came through from Sarah, who I think was the person who coached with she you, was, right? yeah. she's still a fan, right? How do you think that this experience that you take your players through, why do you think it sticks with them? And, and I, I told a story on one of the first podcasts I was ever on that if Tim Hale, which was a mutual soccer coach of ours, who I hated him dearly uh, for, for many reasons, mostly because he was very, very, he was just, anyway, whatever. Uh, if he showed up and he said, Halloran, we're going to go run three miles, I would probably do it, right? And, and the reason why is because there was something about the way he motivated me that at almost 50 years old, now I couldn't run two miles, right. uh, but you know what, I'd try. So why do you think that this system that you've, because it's a system, right? Why do you believe that this system has stuck with people and allowed them to take what you've taught them to be successful without kicking a stupid ball up and down the field? So I asked this question. Uh, I called Sarah, uh, who played for me for three years and then coached with me for seven or eight. And she she was around. I coached her sister. I coached her brother. Her, her parents uh, have often said, uh, if anyone, if anyone is in our house, says the word coach, they're referring to you and they've played multiple other sports, college sports is whatever I'm coach. And I asked the kids to call me coach. I don't want to be called coach Halloran. I don't want to be called Mr. Halloran. Uh, T Hal uh, floats around behind my back. Um, I think coach is a, is a respectful, but approachable. Mm -hmm. there, there's something there. And so I talked to Sarah. I talked to my uh, current assistant coach. I, I looked back at some of the notes I got from people. I start off every season after I've selected my team and I give them a player evaluation. And that evaluation says, first and foremost, is soccer even your favorite sport? Mm. And the kids, they all freak out. Oh, I can't put this down. And I say, no, 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 I want to really know. Do you like basketball more? Because if you like basketball more, can I relate something to what I know about basketball so you can better understand what I'm trying to say? Mm. I say, what are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? How do you like to be coached? Do, are you someone who likes to be yelled at? Are you someone who likes to have the arm put around? Are you someone who doesn't want any any conversation for the first five minutes when you walk off the field because you're going to bite someone's head off. Now I try to process all 22 of those every year and I don't do it every year for every player. Once I've had it once or twice, I, I focus on the new players, but everyone I've talked to said, you were interested in me. I wasn't number 10. I wasn't your starting goalkeeper. I was Sarah. And you, it mattered to you. You cared about me. Joe Haywood put his arm around me and said, you can do this. Mm. And I believed him. And I felt like in that moment, he trusted and wanted me to be successful. And I want that for my players. And so as the years go, go on and I see people, they, they remember 
that it wasn't, they weren't number 10 to me. I'll pick on Sarah. Sarah hated to run. She picked the wrong sport. She will say right now, she hated to run. But I knew she didn't like to run. So I tried to get her to understand why I needed her to get to the fitness level that she needed to get to, no matter how bad she, she wanted. She also, I joke about this with her all the time, she ate cookies and french fries every day at, at school. And so we brought in a dietitian one year because I had I wanted the players to understand there was more to it. I believe that I am trying to prepare players to be professional human beings, not professional soccer players. And a lot of coaches in their mind, I think they want to say, I've got professional soccer player. I brought around this professional soccer player. Mm -hmm. And so they focus on that. I don't focus on that because I know the odds of that are very, very slim. Someone, someone passes the, the bar or, or gets their doctorate or I had a kid stop me. I was in Niles, Michigan for a soccer game and a police car pulls up and I was like, oh my God. Guy gets out of the car, comes up and goes, hey coach, I saw the Portage bus. I just want to come and say hi. Mm. You probably never would have guessed I was going to be a police officer with my background. And we talked about it. He had gotten in trouble. He was a, a problem. I could have kicked him off my team. I could have done a lot of stuff. But I said, hey, Matt, let's let's try to find a way of being something better. And he said, look at me now. Now I'm busting the kids that I was when I was growing up. If you don't have that connection, what are they playing for? So like Tim Hale, Tim Hale, I, I might run for him, but not because I wanted his approval. It's because I was scared of him. Yeah. I want my players to do it for themselves. And in doing that, they end up doing it for me. Everybody who owns and runs a business, which is the majority of people who listen to our stuff and watch our stuff and follow us on social media, all of us here at Proudmouth. When is the last time you thought like that as a business owner? When is the last time that you treated your team members like that? When is the last time that you really wanted to get to know what their goals were and all of that stuff. If you, Tim, Tim's um, a form that he sends out is, is just like the disc assessment that many of you use, strength finders, all of these different things to try to find out who your team members are. My brother just asks them flat out the question. And so many of you have made this relationship building that my brother is an expert in so difficult and so detached from what really needs to be there, which is that true human connection that 10, 15, 20 years from now, when your team members, if they've moved on, see you, that they're going to be happy to see you as their old boss or as their old manager or even teammate. All right, Tim. So I, I like asking this question at the end, uh, just because it's actually a police tactic, just so you know, uh, you know, cause, cause the show's about to end, right? So we're, we're, we're all, we're, we're about done, but what, what is something I should have asked you? about being a coach or being the leader that you are, that you think our listeners should know. You're, you're asking a, a tough question for me because I, again, I'm not a big fan of talking about thinking about myself and, and what I want to say. I, I jotted down a couple of things and um, 
you know, I, I the two that I uh, from uh, other stuff that you you uh, pointed out that I thought were important was um, the biggest struggle that I have. Um, it, for me, it's parents, uh, but it's the outside influence. Uh, understanding that there's often a need to get a buy-in from other people. For me, it's the parents. I have to teach the parents just as well as I teach the players because uh, otherwise I'm not going to uh, get a buy-in from everybody. And if I don't get a buy-in from everyone, they, they go home and all the work I've done is, is lost. And I think that's really, that's a very difficult thing. Uh, and you have to know what that outside influence is. Uh, if I just focused on my players and they get in a car and dad tells them something totally opposite, I, my job is, is extremely hard. And so I have parent meetings and, and try to get them to buy in and I, I don't get everyone to buy in. I'm never, uh, I can't bat a thousand on that, but the nice thing is more parents buy into it because they see that their kids are happier in the program and they get to shut the people up who don't see it in the stands the, those idiots who are only worried about the win and so that's really helpful and then uh, the one one statement that i've always tried to to live by uh comes from an old athletic director and, and i love the the idea and he used to end every meeting with this with this quote uh, and I don't remember where he got it, but players don't care how much you know, they want to know how much you care. And I and I and I think that sums up who I am. I know a lot. I know I I've I've done this for 30 years. I, I've I've taken all my licensing. I've done a lot. I understand the game. Most kids they don't care because they are just kicking a ball down the field. But they want me to pull them aside and and show them that I notice who they are. Today I met with uh, first day of tryouts, I met with my new captains and one of my captains is, is starting to grow a mustache. It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So I told him, I'm like, dude, you know, if this was 1970, uh, I would say that you're probably going to be in a, in a porn or something. And the smile on his face, because I, I recognize that it was day one of tryouts and that connection is going to mean more. Uh, it wasn't about what I told him at practice. It wasn't how I told him to kick a ball. It was that I noticed that he was trying to grow a mustache at 17 years old. And we all know how terrible those look. And he also dates one of the girls on my team. So I also have to give her grief now that she's dating someone who can't grow a mustache. I, I try to live by that. And that's, and that's the way I'm, I go about my job. You have to be able to communicate in whatever way is comfortable with you that you care about the people around you. And sometimes that's the, the porn stash, right? Sometimes that's, uh, you know, just sitting and listening. Sometimes that's putting your arm around somebody. And sometimes that's really just letting them play the game. And I want everybody to just think about that. When is the last time that you let your people just play the game? The W is important in business. We all understand that. But what you learn from the losses is really truly where you grow even more as a human being. And having that time for reflection 
is vitally important. So Tim, at the end of every show, I allow all of our guests to have an opportunity to pitch. But considering that you're a high school coach and a high school math teacher at Portage Central here where we live, uh, you probably don't have a lot that you really want to, to pitch. But is there anything that you'd like to say to everybody to, I don't know, get them to do something uh, that they might not normally do? Well, first of all, I, uh, having you as a brother, uh, you've been my hype man uh, for a little while, uh, which I appreciate. So if you anyone has any questions, comments, you want to hire me for something, I don't have a website. Uh, it's a school website. You, you probably couldn't find it. Go to Matt. He's now my manager. I, I'm going, he's going to take, uh, I'm only going to give him 2%. I'm not sure what the manager rates are, but 25, but that's okay. We can talk about you're my brother. I'm your older brother and you get 2% and you'll be happy about it. No, I appreciate it. It's, it's difficult for me to, to talk about this because I'm successful, but I don't, it, I've always said, it's not me. It's my players, but I'm told on a regular basis that, that there's more to it than that. So I appreciate being on. I hope uh, I hope it made sense. You'll find out uh, because uh, <laughs> you'll find out. <laughs> so uh, and, and yes, it did make a lot of sense. And you know, uh, there's been a bunch of comments in, in our feed here. Um, you know, talking about how you know trusting the process. Mark says that. Uh, you know, Lisa, who's actually our chief operating officer, has coached girls soccer forever. Uh, you know, I, she said that this was a great episode that every coach should listen to. But I don't think it's just the coaches. I think it's the parents and I think it's the business owners, uh, which a lot of you have a lot of those uh, overlapping things. In fact, I just talked to a gentleman earlier who who is a coach. He's a business owner. He coaches his girls. Uh, and, and he's also obviously a parent who sits in the stands. And I want you to think about that. And especially as a business owner, uh, a lot of times, you know, not making the boss get out of the chair uh, for those of you who are the team members supporting a business is a really great focus. Um, and then for you who are, for those of you who are business owners, showing that you do care, that you really, really care, that you're there for them and you're there for their own success and try, 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 try to show that you care because it is so much more than just the wins and the losses. It's making that real connection. What's that quote? Read the quote one more time, Tim. Uh, players don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. And with that, for my brother and for all of us here at Proudmouth, if you have not subscribed to the live stream, make sure you do because you can get notifications when the live stream comes out. And then you can also go ahead and follow us, of course, on social media. We are here to do whatever we possibly can to help you rise above the noise and be your own loud. Sometimes that's on a field. Sometimes that's learning from a coach. Sometimes that's learning from somebody else. But it's all here to help you figure out how you can be comfortable in your skin so that you can be the best you can possibly be. So with that, see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to Be Your Own Loud, where we reverse engineer success to help you accelerate your influence and break free from the torment of sales. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to our podcast, share with others in your company or profession, follow us on social media. This podcast is brought to you by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Visit us at Proudmouth.com and join our Influence Accelerator Academy for free to enhance your marketing mindset and know-how.